The idea of this podcast is simple, discipleship. We want to bring the gospel message about how to interact with your coworkers, your culture, your friends, everyone around you in a biblical way, which is, in essence, discipleship. What did Jesus do when he came to this earth? He took the devil's stuff. The Bible actually teaches that the world is becoming increasingly covered with the knowledge of the glory of God. That should change everything in the mind of a Christian. Instead of thinking about all the ways society is failing, we should think about all the ways society must be, as Psalm 1101 tells us, put underneath the feet of Jesus in victory. The Rebel Alliance Podcast. We would be honored if you would join us. Welcome back to the Rebel Podcast. As always, you got P. Nate and Pooty in Garage Mahal yet again to bring you the glory that is the Rebel Podcast. The glory? <laughs> the glory. I'm fine with it. That's fine. I'm going with it. We're actually doing a quick, uh, a shorter episode today. Um, we have to get Spoilers. a recording. Well, we have to get a recording in our, our wonderful sound wizard who makes uh, Rebel Alliance Media even possible is heading off to Israel. Yeah, he's going uh, for the walk. He's going for the Israel... What? Or pilgrimage. 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 (laughs) The walk? Yeah. He's going for the pilgrimage. Uh, So pray for Dave. Uh, Pray for safe uh, safety and uh, also pray for safe return. Um, What do you think the chances he just becomes a street preacher while he's there? A lot of people go crazy when they get to Jerusalem because they're so overwhelmed by everything. You know what? I I feel like his wife is more prone to the Israel crazy than Dave is. (laughs) I love you, Joan. (laughs) I don't know if she listens. All I'm picturing, I don't know, people have seen him. So all I'm picturing is Dave walking around Israel, eating a sandwich with a big tea. (laughs) Obviously, yeah, yeah. Like, nah, I'm okay. I don't need to go in the Jordan River. I got this nice tea here. (laughs) Yeah. I'm cool with it. Don't worry about it, guys. Your sound here is terrible. (laughs) (laughs) That'll be it. Actually, Dave, you're going to love the acoustics in a few of the old uh, uh, a few of the old buildings uh, so I'm looking forward to hearing all kinds of the science of the acoustics of the architecture that I that goes over my head but I'll just nod and smile so uh, wish Dave well um, and we're gonna try to get this uh, this podcast in and uh, so that he can be off and uh, and have a wonderful time so we're the rebel podcast there's lots of other uh, podcasts on our uh on our network go check them out rebelalliancemedia.com and hey sign up for patreon why haven't you signed up yet i feel like people should sign up i feel like they should i feel like you should do a passage draft on patreon again i don't oh, feel like that should a, be a thing i just thought of that yes, right now live a, admin yeah that's a that's good Doing it. that's good content let's do that um the uh the patreon's good and uh we're we're trying to fill it up with more and more uh exclusive content and, uh, and we're partway to our goal. And the goal, uh, the first goal that we're hitting is the Eschatology 102 series. So as soon as Dave is back from Israel, we're going to start recording an Eschatology 102 series. And, uh, and hopefully we, we can get the, that goal hit. Wouldn't it be 201? Like, is it 201? It, isn't that would be second year, right? Like second year. Mm. So it'd be 201. You're right. Esch- You're right. Eschatology 102 would mean it's first year in the second classroom. All right, Eschatology 201. <laughs> uh, did you even go to school, just bro? Rem- yeah, apparently I did not. Um, okay, <clears throat> Rebel News. So we got a good one. Uh, we got a juicy piece for all of you uh, American listeners. <laughs> a juicy piece? I love it. Okay, so um, I don't know how many of you have been following this this whole um, Trudeau scandal in, in Canada. So 
for our American listeners, if you're not following Canadian politics, that's totally fine. Don't hit the fast forward button on the podcast just yet because um, our liberal princess Trudeau, um, he is our, um, he, I, I feel like his, his comeuppances are coming up. Is it? That's the thing. Is it? Yeah. Americans are big into Canadian politics, man. Doug Ford was like a celebrity down there. Not Doug Ford, uh, Rob Ford. Oh, yeah. The, the crazy one, the one yeah. that did crack. Um, <laughs> he was huge down there. He was only a mayor. And, I, and I've actually talked to one of our American listeners recently. And direct quote was like, we have Trump, but I'm glad we don't have Trudeau. Yes, yeah, Because that guy's crazy. Yeah. And this is a left. Toby, <laughs> Toby Sumter told me that too. And uh, when we were chatting, uh, when we had him on the podcast, we were chatting. And he just basically said like, I don't even think Hillary would have been as bad as Trudeau. That's fair. All right, but Trudeau. So, um, so here's some. Um, I guess it's not breaking news by the time this comes out, um, and because it's a couple of days old anyway. But <laughs> we want to talk about it. Um, so, Vancouver MP Jody Wilson-Raybould and Toronto area MP Jane Philpot have both been kicked out of the Liberal Caucus. So, um, if you haven't been following the story, essentially, uh, uh, Justin Trudeau is being accused of obstructing justice by trying to get the uh, attorney general to not prosecute a Quebec-based company that's um, made some grave misconducts. And, uh, and Trudeau is saying uh, there's, some, there's some sketchy ties in his past. It's a Quebec company and all this kind of stuff. But beyond any of, any of that sort of speculation, he says he's concerned for the jobs. Um, but nonetheless, he, um, there's a recording out now apparently where um, Jody Wilson-Raybould was, was essentially kind of bullied into trying, uh, tried to be bullied into not um, prosecuting. Um, so what's interesting about this is, so Trudeau, this is a quote from Trudeau. He says, we've taken every effort to address their concerns. Now, their concerns are that the prime minister is um, acting with no accountability and is overstepping his power and is obstructing justice. Like those are, those aren't just concerns. Like those are accusations of, of indictable offenses. But he says, we've taken every effort to address their concerns. And ultimately, if they can't honestly say they have confidence in this team, then they can't be part of this team. What's interesting about this, so the, the conservative leader, um, Andrew Scheer, he said, uh, Canadians will view the, remo- or the removal of Jane Philpott and Jody Wilson-Raybould from the Liberal Caucus for exactly what it is, a portrayal of justice. Elected officials are supposed to protect individuals who blow the whistle on government misconduct and corruption, not punish them. What's interesting about this is... is it, I, I've been wondering, so we, we covered the story when Trudeau who was very vocal during the whole Me Too stuff, right? It's the year of Me Too. Very, very vocal about needing to believe accusers and believing the victims and all that kind of stuff. And then remember, he was accused of something from his past where there was an alleged groping incident. And he essentially said, she's remembering it wrong. Which which showed that he didn't think he needed to follow his own ideology. And now here he is. He's been one of the most outspoken, outspoken, self-proclaimed feminists. And here he is. Now there's a recording out of him kind of bullying Jody Wilson-Raybould. And there's, there's these accusations that he is trying to throw his weight around. And, try, and, and then when these women stand up to him, showing their, their, their strength, right? Their, their, their feminine strength, which he's supposed to be all about. He kicks them out of the party. 
I think you said it when we were talking about that we were going to do this on Rebel News. You're like, the only thing that would make this better is if one of them was gay, <laughs> because, <laughs> because then he'd be offending all the all the right. Like if one of them was was a like Aboriginal gay, and the other one was a you know female. But and a vegan, and a vegan, yeah. <laughs> but but the point is, is that um, and this kind of goes to a point that we've been saying on Rebel Alliance for a long time is the Bible says that we are to judge a man by its fruit, judge people by their fruit. And we are living in a culture where people are judged not by their actions, but by their ideologies. So because Trudeau says the right things, claims the right things, and is on the the correct side, I'm doing air quotes, which is bad radio, um, uh, of social issues, right? So he's, he's woke, right? Because Justin Trudeau is woke, he cannot be condemned. He's justified in our culture. He is in right standing with the gods of our culture because of his wokeness, even though his actions contradict his wokeness. And, and, and the problem here is that the Bible says people, basically what the Bible says is talk is cheap. Judge a man by his, by, judge a tree by its fruit. And by the fruit of it, Justin Trudeau is no feminist. And I say that because I'm just wondering, like, when is any of this going to stick to him? Like, when are those? And and so, for for some of our listeners who are who are you know politically left leaning, who are still supporting Justin Trudeau, like, I'd just love to hear from you. Like, why are we still justifying this man? Like, why why are you still believing in his wokeness and and thinking that that's that's a better fit for you, even though his actions are, are contradicting the very things that you praise him for? It's he's got great hair. It's probably most and of funky socks, right? Really trendy he does, socks. He's got the trendy he surfs, socks. right? <laughs> I'm sure his drama t- drama classes were <laughs> super woke. Amazing. It's it's it, there's a great there's great lessons in scripture about all these things because yeah. Luke twelve two twelve two says anything that's hidden will be revealed, and it's this is the type of situation where politicians beware because especially in Big today's time. culture with yeah. Twitter, everything's yeah. recorded. Nothing, nothing gets forgotten on the internet. Everybody is watching everything, everything you do, which means your character, you can say whatever you want. Your character is going to shine through right. because everything you do is going to eventually come to light. And I agree with you. I don't understand. Like I even made the joke before we were on the air, like, how is he still our prime minister? Like, how is this not, how has he not been arrested? Because this is a felony. Like this yeah, is obstruction a, of justice. I mean, exactly. it, it's actually a big deal. Exactly. Despite like this, besides like letting go of these women from caucus, the actual scandal underneath it is, is indictable. Yeah, exa- exactly. And let's, let's liken it to Trump in the States where a lot of people say things, but they don't actually have any proof to back it up. Yeah. The Mueller I mean, report like, was brilliant, by the way, <laughs> like two years of liberal whining of like Russian collusion. It's just like, yeah, there's, there's no collusion. There, there's no, exactly. There's no evidence. There's just fire. Yeah. You know I mean, there's smoke and all this, all these mirrors, yeah. but there's no actual evidence to say you've done anything wrong. So there's nothing to actually convict them. We're in Canada right now. We have all the fire, all of the evidence, but none of the smoke around it because nobody really wants to go right. against a famous man's son. Yeah. And it's say actually, he's not a it's good actually an interesting contrast between the two of them, right? Because you have Trump who is, he says and does stupid stuff. He's not a moral man. He's an immoral person. He goes off the rails. He's a bit crazy. He says stuff that is just ridiculous. 100%. But his actions and his policies and the way he actually leads has actually been pretty good, I would say. 
right? He's got a pretty good track record. Like his policies have been have been good, not far from perfect, but but good, better than any other. For, for I saw I saw something. I'm not going to be able to quote this. What the what the poll is? There's like a basically a policy poll versus a popularity poll in the states, and Trump has I think the third highest since they started doing these measurements, um, where like approval of his policies, and it's just like. That's interesting. Um, whereas, so, like, popularity, so like, he's so yeah. low, but his policies, people actually seem to agree. And what's funny about this, Trump actually himself said this. He doesn't. He he doesn't necessarily always believe all of his own policies. He puts them in in place because that's what his people and his party have asked him to do. So he's doing what a leader of a party that's made up of. Millions of people have asked, this is what we want, do what we want because we voted you in. Whereas Trudeau, sovereign king of our country, yeah. does, the oppos- does the opposite. He puts into policies into place that he wants and then tells us all that you voted me in. This is what I said I was going to do. When we think about the fact that like his his policy approval is very, very low in this yeah. country. People are very he Actually, one of the him. biggest things that he got uh, voted in for was electoral reform. And then, like, you're not going to reform the thing that got you voted in. And so that was the first thing that he's like, yeah, we're not really going to do that. Yeah, there's two things, two things politicians will never actually do that they say they will do. They're never actually going to cut tax because they can't cut tax and still pay for the budget that they've promised for all the other things they promised. And the other thing they're never actually going to do is electoral reform. So the so and this is the contrast, right? So you have you have Trump who immoral says all the wrong things, is on the wrong side, right? Again, air quotes from like modern cultures, um, virtues. And yet he, by his actions, has shown himself to be a competent leader. And then you have Trudeau, who says all the right things, pays lip service to all of the cultural virtues of wokeness and feminism and racial equality and, um, you know, uh, you know, holding up minorities and, and all, the, all of those kinds of woke things. And yet... His, his actions are far from feminist. His policies have been brutal. He's, the, the debt he's racked up, like just everything in terms of broken promises. And again, this goes back to as Christians, we have to believe in judging a tree by its fruit because that's the instruction that Jesus gives us. And so, and I'm, I'm not saying that either of these men are Christians. I don't believe either of these men are Christians. And I'm not saying Donald Trump is great and Trudeau is horrible. I'm saying that we live in a culture where justification happens by where you are on the ideological spectrum. And that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that you're saved by grace and that you can tell whether or not you have been saved by grace by your actions. And so we judge people by their actions, not by the words they espouse because talk is cheap. Amen. Speaking of um, um, pretty boy Trudeau, (laughs) today we're going to talk about men without chests. Um, So this is just, again, a a quick episode. So we just want to, we want to plug C.S. Lewis's book, The Abolition of Man, and particularly his concept of of men without chests. We're going to take a really, really quick break, and we're going to come back and tell you why abolition of man will help you engage the culture. Do you even lift, bro? (laughs) We'll be right back. That's what I want to call it. On June 1st, join the Ezra Institute for Contemporary Christianity in Grimsby, Ontario for a full-day event called Love Thy Body, a conference on humanity, sexuality, art, and God, with special guest speaker Nancy Piercy and EICC founder Joe Boot. 
Don't miss this event at the site of high-impact training seminars, including the Worldview Leadership Camp for Youth and the Runner Academy for Students and Young Professionals. Register for these events by visiting www.ezrainstitute.ca. All right, we're back. And uh, like I said, in this uh, kind of quick episode uh, brought to you by um, Air Canada flying to Israel, <laughs> we, uh, we just wanted to encourage you to read The Abolition of Man. And uh, during break, Pudi just pointed out that uh, Men Without Chess is actually just the first chapter. So you should read beyond that to all three parts. Abolition of Man is actually a, a series of lectures. So it's three, three lectures. And the first one's called Men Without Chests. Um, interestingly, so you hear, um, you hear the phrase men without chests and, uh, you immediately kind of, kind of get this idea of like men who don't have courage and that's, that's part of it, but there's a lot more to it than that. So, um, uh, C.S. Lewis kind of makes the point that, um, our logic is ruled in our heads, our, our logic, our reason, our intellect. Um, our emotions are described as our belly, right? The fleeting emotions, our, our visceral reaction to things, our emotional reaction to things. And he talks about the the chest as being the place of the will, the place of the heart, the place um, that kind of governs um, both the intellect and the emotion. So it's it's the virtues, it's the nobility, it's the it's it's the ethical center of a man. So um, here's a quote from it. He says, The head rules the belly through the chest, the seat of emotions organized by trained habit into stable sentiments. These are the indispensable liaison officers between cerebral man and visceral man. It may even be said that it is by this middle element that a man is a man, for by his intellect he is mere spirit and by his appetite mere animal. So you're going to explain that for like the normal people, right? <laughs> Well, so basically what he's saying is that um, we have intellect and reason, right? Which is kind of the spiritual side of, of man. That's the immaterial is what he means by that, right? So if man is, if man is, uh, is two, two parts, material and immaterial, that the intellect, the mind, the reason, all that kind of stuff is, is made up in, in the, the, the head, the mind, the cerebral part of man. And then there's the, the appetites, right? The, we're, we're hungry, we're tired, we're angry, like the emotions that drive us. And he says, you know, without the reason, then we would be mere animals because animals are driven by their, their instinct, their emotion. Without the, uh, without the emotion, if we were just cerebral, we'd be this sort of disembodied. There'd be no corporal engagement with the physical world around us. He's saying what makes us human, what makes a man a man is the ability to filter your intellect and your appetites through your will, through your convictions. And so um, essentially what he's saying is, so here, here's, uh, um, we'll just kind of spin off of here because I, I want you to, I, I would encourage you to read the book. But basically, if you think about our current culture, there would be a whole lot of people, and I think like a, a Jordan Peterson would be this kind of guy, and I think he has, he has, he has um, I, I wouldn't say he's a man without a chest, but I would just say, you know, Jordan Peterson is a good example of a, of a man who is ruled by his intellect, right? He's, he's ruled by the cerebral logic, the reason, all of that sort of stuff. You look at a lot of the, the current culture, 
Um, you th- think of a lot of celebrities, you look at like a, like a, an Oprah Winfrey, for example, who it's all about emotion, right? It's all about, you know, the highs and lows of emotion and that you follow your heart and, and what, however you feel you do, you do what's right for you, all that sort of stuff. You have two examples of two people being led by something completely different. And I think what C.S. Lewis is getting at is that when you've made, so if, if the, the chest, the heart in scripture, um, it's a psalm that says that the, out, out of the heart is the, the spring of life, that the heart is the, the control center of the person. That's where the, the will resides, is where our conviction resides. So the idea is, is that when we say that there is no ethical absolutes, when we say that there is no objective standard of what is right and what is good and what is noble and what ought to be, we say that all of that is subjective. Well, what is it subjective to? It's either subjective to our intellect or our appetite. So what you have then is that we, a whole lot of men out there, men without chests, who interpret what is right and what is wrong, what ought to be based on how they feel because they're being driven by their appetites, their emotions. Or you have a whole lot of people out there who think only with their, their heads. And this is where you get into a lot of really scary ideas, right? You, you, you look at some of the atrocities that have happened throughout history, take emotion out of it and just think, think to, in a totalitarian sense. Think in a, you know, um, uh, you think of like the Borg in Star Trek, right? <laughs> that, that sort of collective consciousness where we aren't driven by emotion, right? The logic of Spock or whatever. I'm mixing all my uh, Star Trek metaphors here, but, but you get there. And again, a man without a chest because he's ruled by that. The Bible actually says that what we ought to be ruled by is, is our convictions and the commands of God, the unchanging ethical commands of God. He has ordained what is right, what is true, what is virtuous. In fact, the whole point of regeneration of God's covenant with man is that he puts his law on his hearts. He, he puts in us his spirit and his guidance to, um, to show us what is right and what is virtuous and what is noble. And so C.S. Lewis is doing all this from a, um, he's clearly a Christian. These aren't like Christian, this isn't a, a Christian lecture, lecture. But what he's talking about when he's talking about nobility and what ought to be and what is virtuous is, is essentially, as Christians, we can understand that that's God's unchanging ethical law. And so what, what he's saying is that a man without a chest is a man who is either ruled by his emotions or ruled by his reason that, and, and isn't ruled by the unchanging standard of God's word. Your intellect and your emotion, your appetite and your reason have to be um, controlled by an objective standard. And that's where the will comes in and your chest, your heart, the new heart that God has given you with his ethical laws written onto it are what drive uh, are what ought to drive us as men and and when you look at the world around us this is the this is this is the root cause of so much horrible stuff going on in our culture right now because the minute you start to say that there is no there is no absolute right there is no absolute wrong there's no universal standard then everything is subjective and what is it subjective to it's either subjective to our intellect as we reason what is right or wrong or our appetite and neither one of those things was meant to be the control center of a man. So, so that's that. When we have that as kind of a basis for how we look at the world around us, it changes how we engage with culture because we recognize what people are are being drawn to. And in every cultural engagement, every. 
fight on Facebook, every, you know, everything that I get into, you're looking at people who are either being ruled often by their emotions or by their reason. And the problem and the reason why so many fights and there's so much political divide in our country and so much ideological divide is because we can't come to a, a moral center to filter our arguments through. It's one person, sometimes it's one person arguing intellect and the other person arguing feelings and they have no common ground with which to argue. And so it's just an argument for argument's sake because they'll never agree on an objective standard. Everything comes down to the subjectivity either of your appetite or your intellect. Yeah, you can get, you can, uh, when you were talking about it, I was actually thinking about a debate we used to have like 10 years ago when I was, when I would argue for like election, be like, no, I chose God, God, I, I, and because I, I felt that it was unfair for God to choose me and all, right. and like the other side where it's like, well, no, like logically think about this, you know what I mean? And you're just like, unless you filter the, those arguments through the correct, the right. correct prism, which is the word of God. And what does it say? And only by being willing to be reformed by what the Bible actually says, rather than, rather than what I think. And I think I feel rather than what I think I think. Right. As long as you filter it through the right thing, then you can come to the correct That's right. position. And so it's funny, like, as you said, in our, in our culture today, we have we have two political extremes. I know we're talking about politics a lot recently, yeah. but it's very very prevalent today, um, and especially in all of our culture engagement because everything gets brought through these prisms. Um, you get people who are very emotionally driven, and then people who have just rationalized it all away. You know what I mean? Where it's like, and you look at it, where it's like, the problem is that nobody seems to be filtering it through the right prism, and the right, right prism is obviously the Word of God, right? Right. And it's it's funny to me. I, just on a side note, it was funny to me when you were talking about when you're reading the quotes and I had to think about this. I've read, the, I read this book years ago, but I had to rethink about this chapter today when we were talking about this. And I was just like, C.S. Lewis is writing this like nearly a hundred years ago about, about men and about culture and how true was it then compared like, but nowadays it's like, could you imagine what he would say today? He would call on none of us men. He would call yeah. like all of its chaos compared because he recognized the the problem, and the problem is not putting the correct prism in place, which is the new heart with God's law written on it as the uh, as the objective standard of truth, right? So it's just funny that he like a hundred years ago, what he would call men without chests would be men with massive chests today. <laughs> yeah, well, it, yeah, it, it um, you know, side note, it's funny because you're like a hundred years ago, I'm like, ah, C.S. Lewis, I'm like, man. It's almost 2020. It was 80 years ago we wrote Abolition of Man. That's crazy. Um, man. Uh, We're getting old. We are getting old. That sucks. I don't like getting old. Um, but uh, it, so he, uh, one of the quotes that he, uh, he says is that uh, we, laugh, we laugh at virtue and, uh, it, and then we are shocked when there are traitors in our midst. He, he goes on to say, so one of the, the, the things he uses in this lecture is um, he, he uses, he's using this book. And in this book that's supposed to be teaching uh, English, he says a guy says about a waterfall um, that uh, that waterfall is sublime. And this, this book that's supposed to be teaching grammar to kids, it's like an education book, um, says um, what, what we have to recognize as we're um, interpreting literature is that 
that's not a true statement. When, when he's saying that that waterfall is sublime, he's not making an objective statement about that waterfall. He's making a subjective statement about his own feelings. So more accurately, what he's saying is, I have feelings of sublime about that waterfall. And, and, and so then C.S. Lewis, like that's, that's literally what opens this whole, like just complete chastisement and disassembling of the worldview. And Lewis gets all fired up about it because what he's saying is that you're removing the objectivity of beauty in that sense. So what they're, what they're subtly teaching the pupil is that there's no such thing as objective beauty, ob- objective sublimity. Is that a thing? Sure. Um, right. All, all he can actually say is to me, that's beautiful. Or I have feelings of, of this. And, uh, and you know, C.S. Lewis says, that's the problem. The problem is, is that we, we then tell everyone that there is no such thing as virtue and yet we expect of them virtue, right? And, and this is how we've created a culture of men without chests. We've told them that eth- ethics and morality are subjective. And then we expect of them the objective ethics that we all have come to know. And, and so we, we want them to be respectful and kind and and yet we've taught them that they're a cosmic accident in a world that doesn't care about them. And the only truth is the subjective truth that they believe themselves. And then we expect them to be virtuous and live like as if they're God-fearing individuals. It doesn't work that way, he says. What we're doing is we're educating a bunch of men without chests. And then we expect them to walk around like they have chests. It doesn't, doesn't work that way. And so when you take out the, the objective moral standard of God and his word... Um, then we cannot be surprised when the cultural ethics erode around us. And I think as Christians, we we have to be aware of that because we cannot expect from a pagan world um, virtue because it used to be that even people who weren't Christians agreed upon these sort of objective virtues, that there are certain things that were good and were wholesome and, and and were true. We don't agree on those things anymore. Everything has become subjective, and then we get so you know. Then we then we're shocked that you know teenagers are killing themselves at alarming rates. That boys want to become girls and boys want to marry boys. We're surprised at those sorts of things. Um, well, that's the world that we've created. We've we've told we've told people that one plus one doesn't always equal two, and then we're surprised when they start living crazy in a world that we've told them doesn't no longer has order. Yeah, you can't you can't. You can't expose a virtue and you can't say like um, truth is subjective and then not expect the next next generation who's been taught that to not expand on it because that's the natural thing that would happen. So when we look at it and we say when, you know, people in in their 30s and and 40s said, no, there's no such thing as, as objective truth. Love is love. Well, the next generation is naturally going to take that. They've heard that their entire lives and then play that out to the fullest conclusion because that's just, that's just nature. That's how this works. So what ends up happening is, well, now the next steps, we see the next steps coming in where it's like, well, who says that I can't have relations with the earth? Who says I can't have relations? Like we've talked about that before. Who says I can't go (laughs) sexuality. I didn't want to say the word again, but like, who, like yeah. the, and then the next generation, who's to say they're not going to be like, well, how can you say I can't, I can't be married to a five-year-old? How, how, like, yeah. I love her. Yeah. If love well, and is, that is love. And, like, that, and that is, that's, that's, you're absolutely right. There's the, the natural progression. The moment you take away subjectivity, right? 
and then the assumed moral values, right? The agreed upon objective morality is eroded from generation to generation, then each subsequent generation doesn't have something in place that the previous generation did, and so their depravity becomes worse. This is Romans 1. This is exactly what Romans 1 is talking about. It's a descent. And this is why Leviticus, we're talking about the law of God, this is why Leviticus 18, it lists what you, you shall not sleep with your neighbor's wife, right? It starts with like adultery, goes into incest, goes into homosexuality, goes into bestiality, all in the same chapter of sexual uh, sins. And and trust me, pro-LGBT Christians hate when I bring that up. But the reality is, is there's a progression there too. And God understands that when you compromise on one of these things, the next generation compromises on the next one of these things. And so um, I, I would say go read Abolition of Man. Uh, it will help you... It, the, reading C.S. Lewis, particularly C.S. Lewis's lectures and, and essays, um, I think trains you to see culture biblically. Um, he, he just had a profound way of kind of cutting through and getting to the root of an issue. And I would just, I, so I'd encourage you to read it. I found something on YouTube just today when, I, when we were kind of looking at maybe doing an episode on this. And it's uh, it just just on YouTube, find... You mean uh, weeks ago when we planned this? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, C.S. Lewis Doodles. I, I watched that too. Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah. So there's C.S. Lewis Doodles on, um, uh, it's a YouTube channel, but he basically, it's it's... I don't know if it's actually C.S. Lewis's voice or if it's somebody else reading the text with like actual like drawings that kind of help you understand and, and yeah, kind of follow along. Yeah, I kind of thought it was him like reading a, it and somebody yeah. else was narrating. There's like a there's like a visual there's a, a visual but anyway they're they're quite good. So even if you don't have access to the book itself, and I think you can get uh, most C.S. Lewis stuff on Audible now, but um, I'd encourage you to get it and read C.S. Lewis because he helps you see culture in a way that will help you as a Christian engage culture much better because it helps you get to roots of issues. And getting to the root of something is always better than arguing on the surface. Yeah, absolutely. And if you, and if you need like something, I uh, if you need a proof what we're saying about culture eroding and people, um, next generations taking things further, this is the one. This is the one situation where I'm going to say watch an old movie. And then watch a movie that's been released in 2012. You will be blown away by the the assumptions that the culture made in 1970, 1980, versus what they can't get away with now. Yeah. And it's like, and you can just see the difference. Like we we made the joke about on Facebook about Top Gun, yeah. and I was just like, a lot of the things they do in Top Gun now would be Me Too, would be like kicked out. They would have to like throw out half the movie because you couldn't you couldn't yeah. put that in, out in the theater did you without. hear about um so with all the the resurgence of all these uh tv shows right fuller house came back and will and grace is back on tv and a bunch of stuff uh somebody recently asked steve carell whether or not they'd come back and do the office did you hear about this i i think i i heard about it but and steve carell was like no absolutely not he's like that wouldn't fly in our culture right now people get too offended you couldn't i couldn't get away with saying some of those things because people have have lost the ability to laugh at these things I'm like, man, that's like, how, how bad is it that our culture that is so eager to be offended is killing comedy, right? Uh, we were talking, yeah, we actually, this was, this, yeah, this was, we were all, we were, this was us having this conversation. Sorry. I'm like, oh, I was just having a conversation. It was with you. I apologize. That's fine. Um, but yeah, we were talking about Seinfeld and, and all that kind of stuff. Like you watch some of the episodes of Seinfeld and you're like, Man, they they couldn't get away with saying that anymore. And then and and even beyond what they can get away with saying, you look at what was going on in terms of 
promiscuity, all that kind of stuff with sitcoms, even back in the 90s compared to now, there's a whole, there's an entire generation of depravity that has been released in, you know what I mean? And so you look back and, and by no means we're like, you know, Elaine and, and Jerry and Costanza moral people. Not at all. The, Not, the whole premise of the show is that they're that all they're, awful that, people. But that's the point. Like, is that they're looked at as horrible people. And that's kind of the, 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 the gag of it. The, the series ends with, look how horrible they are. We should lock them up. They deserve to be locked up with how horrible they are. Now, those same people, you know, worse people are viewed as good people. It's just a very interest, interesting way in which culture is eroded. And a lot of it has to do with this, this whole premise that C.S. Lewis saw so, so clearly 80 years ago. Yeah, exactly. Like the, one of the running gags on Friends was Chandler's transsexual, mom, uh, transsexual dad. Father, yeah. Nowadays, you, you couldn't do that even remotely. And one of, the, one of the famous Seinfeld episodes is not that the, one of the famous Seinfeld lines is not that there's anything wrong with that. Right. There's a whole episode where George gets in trouble for saying something that can be construed as anti-homosexual. And so Jerry and him have to continually repeat, not that there's anything wrong with that, as if like they're pointing out there is something wrong with it. You know right. what I mean? Like, but they can't say but, it. Right. It's like they're, they're just saying that for like the appeasement and yeah. It's, yeah, just to get out of trouble. Right. Which was literally what they were trying to do right. in the episode. Yeah. yeah so anyway, just I just think it's a good proof text if you don't believe what we're saying about culture next generations taking things for taking things further watch an episode of Seinfeld then watch an episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine or Happy Happy Endings or something and you will see just the amount of change and things like that in in culture yeah absolutely all right um Abolition of Man C.S. Lewis we uh we promote them both and uh uh wish Dave Dave the best in Israel and uh we'll catch up with you guys uh next time